Welcome to Transformation Simulation, the podcast about agile transformations and personal transformation. I'm glad you're here today. I'm your host, Nathan Chawilawashe. We have a great podcast for you today. Our simulation today is about traditional planning versus agile planning. I am joined today by agile coach Alicia Yannick to discuss this topic. However, before we join the conversation, here's a brief disclaimer. This simulation is created from real experiences and fabrications for the purpose of this discussion only. All names and companies are fictional. However, the advice, coaching, and solutions we offer based on this simulation are exactly the same as we would offer in the real world. And with that, let's jump into the discussion. And I'm here today with my favorite coach and partner, Alicia Yannick. Hello, Alicia. You say favorite. I don't know if I believe that. Well, you pay I'm, the, well to say I'm that. the favorite who's here with you tonight. Let's put it that way, but there's only just me. It wouldn't be a show without you. It, would, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be something. <laughs> I think I say that every podcast. It wouldn't be something. <laughs> You're my favorite tonight, and next week when we record, you'll be my favorite again. Is it just the two of us again next week? Is that how this is playing out? We have we have another guest that's scheduled next week. We'll see how it goes, but it doesn't matter. You're going to be my favorite. Next All right. Week. Okay. <laughs> At least two weeks, I get the favorite title. I'll take that. There you go. I'll yeah. take that. <laughs> Maybe we should read the simulation. Let's do it. All right. Well, the title of this one, um, we're going to be pretty obvious here, is Hippo Planning versus Agile Planning. and we'll be sure to explain what hippo planning is after we read the simulation here. All right, so uh, Product A, a product development organization within VUCA International, is three months into an agile transformation. During these three months, cross-functional teams have been created, agile foundational training has been conducted with all 250 team members and leaders, a formal intake process with phase gates has been created, and most teams have started their first sprint. And within these three months, uh, these th three months also are, are a milestone for the transformation roadmap. Uh, Product A has experienced quite a bit of success with their agile transformation. They're doing good. During a recent organizational all, organizational all hands meeting, Product A's operational leader, Tonya, uh, recognizes her team, her leadership team, the team members and the agile coaches for making the previous three months a success. So she gives the, everybody some kudos for having a great transformation so far. And then Tonya presents a list of priorities for her leadership team, the scrum teams, and the agile coaches. With the exception of a few members of her leadership team, everyone is unfamiliar with this new list of priorities. This list has not been vetted or prioritized with other transformation activities. Some of these priorities are in direct opposition of the next two milestones on the transformation roadmap. Um, Tonya then assigns priorities to her leadership and scrum teams. She also attempts to assign priorities to the agile coaches, but the agile coaches resist and suggest using intake to confirm these priorities receive appropriate planning and prioritization to ensure there is alignment with the transformation roadmap. With this resistance from the agile coaches and the suggestion to conduct more planning and prioritization, Dan, who's a member of Tonya's leadership team, challenges the coaches. He says, coaches, aren't you here to assist us in the transformation? Why wouldn't you assist us with these priorities? Our leader is asking for your help with this transformation. 
Oh, Nathan. This is fun. This is real. It is. We were just, um, before we actually launched, uh, started the podcast, we were discussing how, how common this is. And, and I shared that I actually have never been part of a transformation where this didn't happen. I'm thinking. I'm not sure I have either. When you said that, it it made me think. Now, sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways. So Mm -hmm. sometimes in ways where, honestly, sometimes in ways where it tanks the whole transformation. And and I don't mean that. It's not that's not an exaggeration. I have seen someone do what what you just described. It's so funny. I want to call her Tanya, not Tonya. So I'm worried about getting her name all wrong. But she doesn't know me, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, I usually call her Tanya, but the first time I read it, it just Tonya came out. So I tried to keep it consistent. Right. (laughs) I was like, why did I say Tonya? I don't know. I never say Tonya. I got to keep up, and I'm struggling a little bit. (laughs) We can call her whatever we want. Right. Um, But so so. I've seen just, man, when you said that, Nathan, I just thought I've seen this behavior tank a transformation. Mm-hmm. I've seen this behavior set a transformation back. I've seen this behavior cause chaos and confusion. I've never seen it work out. Let me put it that way. I've never seen it, it play out very well. I, I, at best, at best, it causes a level of confusion and you lose time and money because people have to try and figure out what, are we, are we following agile? Or are we following what our boss told us to do? And turns out no agile transformation. I know of signs to check, right? So that, that <laughs> most people want right. to follow whatever their boss told them to do. Cause that's where the money comes from. Right. That's right. probably not where you want us to start on this. Huh? We can start wherever we want. Um, but that's a good one. Maybe um, before we go down that, that path, uh, explain what hippo um, means. Hippo planning. Um, hippo is an acronym that usually is referred to the highest paid person's opinion. And that's leadership. So if leadership or whoever the highest paid person in the room has an opinion that everyone should do something, um, sometimes human behavior and the organizational structure or team structure usually aligns to what the highest paid person <laughs> believes should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason for the word in the, in the title of this simulation. Um, now back to what you were describing. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, so I've, I, I have an anecdote that someone else told me that I kind of want to share and then we can edit it out later if we don't like it and, and certainly have some experience with, with hippo planning. I mean, on the one hand, at least Tonya did it in a meeting where everyone, like, I'm not saying what she did was right, but she, she did a meeting where everyone understood it. She, she passed it out. She communicated it. She was probably pretty clear about it. It, it was not agile. It did not stand up for agile values or principles at all. Mm-hmm. But man, I've seen this happen so many times too, where it's a slide in from the side right. where, where someone who has a C in their title walks in and says, I decided we need to do X. Hey, person, developer a or developer b i want you two to work on this on the side that's what i've seen happen too where it is you still have to do your scrum work but i want you to do this on the side uh oftentimes with a little arm twisting as in i know you two care about the company or i know you two want a little extra work and want to prove yourselves and so there's a manipulation around it as well so 
Tanya didn't show up at the table with, I mean, she manipulated the situation for darn sure, but, but I've seen, good night, I've seen this stuff play out so many times, yeah. and it's, uh, and sometimes it's, so it's you know, hey, do this on the side yeah. and don't let anybody know. And don't, don't anybody don't, know. Don't tell right. anybody. Just report. Right. Just come back to me. Just report to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, on the scrum team or whatever, um, PI planning, is there right. any other work that's being done? Nope. That we need to listen to? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Well, let me ask you a question. So, so this anecdote I have, uh -huh. and, and, and we'll... We'll just say we're playing fast and loose with math here, okay? Because it's not my firsthand experience. It's an anecdote. So with a C-level title in the shower one day, decides, has a great idea, walks in and says, we got to do this great idea. Mm -hmm. And they said, great, we're in the middle of a sprint or we're wrapping up our PI. Can, can this wait? Yep, it can wait. But it, it frog leaped, is that the right phrase? All over everything else. Mm -hmm. So it just leapfrogged. I don't even. I don't even have my words right for God's sake. It frog leaped. For the record, we have not been right out. You're going to edit. You better edit frog leap right on out. <laughs> so it leapfrogs right over all the other priorities, all the other work that's been vetted and and let's say market tested and and racked up against prioritization criteria, which is part of the intake process. I think that you're you're referencing down below is having that prioritization criteria and they they pivoted <clears throat> which i hate that word because it just implies turn on a dime because somebody said we should yeah and and guess what two million dollars down the drain and not just two million dollars in time and effort to pay people to do something that wasn't a vetted idea two million dollars in missed opportunity cost because what you were going to do that was vetted and proven as far as anyone can prove anything didn't get a chance to hit the market on time. Yeah. And instead, something that people didn't end up wanting that sure sounded like a great idea to one individual or the people who paychecks he influences and the money's lost and market opportunities lost and customers are lost that way. And it's probably a, like I said, it's not my experience that one directly, but I've seen that play out with some pretty big price tags time and time again. I've seen entrepreneurs tank their startups by this same behavior, quite frankly, like bottom yeah. line. Yeah. It's not good behavior. I mean, it's, um, but you know, that's what I think, I think it's part of the, I don't want to say the DNA, but it's, it's part of what leaders do, what leaders think they're supposed to do. They're supposed to come in and say, do this and have people kind of jump and run to be able to, to meet the need of whatever do this means. And even after a transformation, after everyone says, hey, we're going to set up this process where we actually do this planning, we're all going to agree to do this work, we're going to build it according to this roadmap that we have um, for all of our products or our, our, our program, whatever the case is, there's, there's still that desire for a, a leader to come in, I think, and say, I want you to do this. Mm -hmm. Make it happen. Do you think... I think there's two things at play if we peel back the onion. There's probably a gajillion things at play, but if we peel back this onion, one is that I think leaders believe they got to a position of leadership probably because they were really good at solving problems and coming up with ideas. And so th what has led them to be successful 
are some behaviors that don't quite work super well in an agile environment and, and probably didn't play out real well all the time, but, but they had enough success being the idea guy or gal or the solution guy or gal that they think coming in with ideas and coming in with the solution is part of what people expect them to do. And I think also we all feel good when we do something our boss tells us to do. Oh yeah. Unless our boss tells us to do something crazy pants and then we just don't like it. But, but if your boss has sanctioned work and you get to work on it and it's their idea and you get to make their ideas happen, there can be something kind of fulfilling about that, even yeah. if it's superficial or artificial. And so I wonder if those, do you think those two things, if only the author of this simulation were with us, <laughs> but do you think that, do you think that those two things are at play here? Or oh, let's definitely. just be honest. Did, did you have that in mind when you were putting this together? Um, a little bit with Dan. Oh, with Dan, you want to talk about Dan a little bit? Well, I mean, you, I think, I think, I think what you described is a little bit of what's taking place with Dan at the, you know, in the simulation where he's like, Hey coaches, our leaders, our leader wants you to participate in this, mm -hmm. you know, and he seems, he, he seems to embody what you just um, described to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, not completely. I mean, what you're pulling out of it is something I didn't anticipate, but. Well, leave it to me, Nathan. I know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I am with Coach Yannick today. So, um, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Which one? Did I make a good point? Which well, one was I mean, a good point? Let me know, you know which leaders, one was a good point. So leaders are, you know, they're solution-minded. Yeah. And they believe that they should come in with a, with, with a solution. Right. right. And that leads to the thought that, you know, the solutions, you know, in transformation based on the the organizational structure that we sometimes commonly recommend for agile transformations really doesn't lead to the leadership having the answers. There's a lot of trust there to for the team and the people who are actually doing the work mm -hmm. to establish the vision and have the answers. Mm -hmm. um, so your excellent point is kind of, I think, reinforced by um, these, uh, these opposing, um, the opposing structure of decision-making and power in, in agile versus decision-making and traditional power and traditional leadership. So since we both said we've experienced this before several times over, mm -hmm. besides saying no, to being asked to do the list of things Tonya asked us to do. What have you done? What do you do? How do you, how do you try and provide, how do you provide guidance to try and right the ship back on the transformation path? Wow. It seems like I should have been prepared for that question. <laughs> May, gee, maybe. <laughs> I feel like I got you by surprise and I'm, and I'm feeling a little sheepish that I might have caught you by surprise. Well, the funny thing is you says, well, besides saying no, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm just going to say no and see what they come up with. <laughs> see, see what the aura comes up with when you say no, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> well, so one of the things I think that I, I would do is, you know, we want to go back and I, I would want to take the, the organization and teams back to reinforcing what we've created. We've, mm -hmm. we've done all this foundational work um, in the simulation. They've had team training. They've created an intake process, a prioritization process. 
I take them back there, show them what we're doing, the original vision we had for things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to do that with Tonya also. Say, mm-hmm. hey, look, you had you, you put your people through this. Mm-hmm. You signed up for this. We can't we can't change now. Um, just because you say change all of a sudden. You're mm-hmm. you're sending mixed signals as a leader. I think that's that's what I would want to do. That's the impulse, my initial impulse. Mm-hmm. Mine would be to say, I think much the same, to say why. Why are we skipping what we just created? Why are we skipping the intake process for this? Why are we skipping running this through our prioritization criteria to see where it comes out? Why, why are we skipping the vetting process? And see, so your answer would be no and see what they come up with. And my response would be, why why are you asking us to do this and skip these things and see what she has to say about that and i mean in it if i were writing a book or a white paper i would say and i would turn to the team and say why would you accept this but then i mean that that just doesn't it just doesn't happen like we can coach and say that's what the team should do but it's just it's not going to happen for a team that's three months in maybe for a team that's three years in but not for a team that's three months in and so I feel like, although you could turn to the team and her leadership the team and say, why would you all say this is okay, move forward? Uh, of course they're going to say, they're going to look at me and say, because this is 90 days new. <laughs> what do you mean? I barely know. I just came out of the egg. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But, but I would, and maybe this is either a good or bad coaching thing, but I think asking why to have people walk you through mm-hmm. what they're thinking gives you a lot of insight. And then that's the next move. That's the next move on the chessboard of the transformation, right? Is right. what's her answer to why? That's that's really what you got to work with here. That is great. You, I think I think you're illustrating. I think we're we're illustrating two things. I want to point out and get your opinion on. See what okay. you think here. So, like your approach is actually the best approach. That is the approach that I think if you asked um, nine one hundred co- coaches. 90 of the coaches would say, well, the first thing you want to do is ask why. You want to figure out the, per- you know, why is a root cause question. Mm-hmm. It's one word that's a, that is a deep diving root cause question. Um, and um, my approach is different. I want to think I want to point out why. Because I am usually assigned to remedial teams. Teams that are okay, in trouble. Define remedial for me. Teams that are dysfunctional that um, have gone their own course and developed anti-patterns that are not sustainable, that are impacting the team's ability to deliver, impacting uh, communication and relationships on the team, and so forth. So (laughs) I'm usually assigned to teams or organizations sometimes where I have, I go in and I am there to say no. So it is, it's usually the first, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's sometimes, unfortunately, the first thing I lead with, no, I want to say no and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, but if, 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 um, what I've noticed is when I get assignments that are not on remedial teams, I have to wait a second and let someone else answer sometimes questions because my approach is the remedial approach because I'm assigned to those so much. And so do you think 
do you think you come out of the gate with no because the team has developed anti-patterns and you want to break those patterns? And so before you do a deep dive, your answer is let's break our pattern right here, right now. And that's where that no instinct comes from? Yes, okay. it is. Yep. And um, what's and I'm illustrating that because I think that, um, you know, sometimes asking a coach something is – like asking an economist something they're they're gonna have a different answer that <laughs> really that leads to the same result well what do you think's gonna happen to the economist we'll say well we're gonna have higher interest rates and lower income but you know it's all gonna work out and the economy's gonna grow and you ask another one well we're gonna have lower interest rates and increased income and it's all gonna work out brief period of stagnation but we're all gonna grow and they're both gonna say we're gonna grow at three and a half percent and you do the same thing with the coach and the coach roughly, you know, sometimes has that same uh, experience. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, for our listeners, you know, sometimes you have that experience with coaches where one approach is, well, let's ask them why. And then another coach is going to say, no, just tell them no, just tell them no. and see." Or that. both. Right. I've, I mean, I've said, I've said, well, we're, I wouldn't guide you to do it that way. First of all, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do because it, undervalues what you hired me to do or devalues what you hired. You're going to have to edit out some words. Apparently I'm making them up tonight, but well, the, the, the other piece is, I mean, the real double whammy is no one tell me why this is a good idea. Yeah. That's the real double whammy is no one to, because then you get into, like you said, what, what's the real, where, where's this per, where's Tonya's, mind what what's she thinking is she stressed so what i read too in this is that you said her team's been doing this for three months that they've that they've done a good job measurably they've done a good job she gave them kudos for their efforts so obviously something has worked for her as well they met her expectations or delivery was good whatever it is so what's going on for her that she's maybe reverting to behaviors that were from the past that were not part of what was, was learned. But, but (laughs) I mean, not to be cheeky, there are occasions where I've said no and ended up leaving because, because the no didn't go over very well. And it was, I write the paychecks and I want you to do it my way. And I said, well, I can't do scrum your way because that's not, that's not scrum. That's just your way. And ultimately the engagement has ended. So it's, it's not always that I've asked why, and we've had these really open conversations and there's been lots of transparency and I think you use the words inspection and adaption. It's not like that's always happened. It's sort of been, if you don't like it, we're going to do it my way anyway. (laughs) So I have had some good open transparent discussions that led to people saying, Oh, I was about to go down the path. I didn't even realize I was, I was executing this way, but a lot of them, a lot of them didn't end up very well. Those conversations didn't go well, Nathan, for me, maybe it's because I walked in saying why instead of no, maybe I should just walk in and say no. I don't know. How'd those conversations go for you? Um, Some of them go well, some of them don't. Um, I've, um, you know what? I actually, I've actually been asked to leave. I, we didn't ask, I didn't ask, they didn't ask me specifically, 
I was assigned to an organization that did not want to do scrum the scrum way. They wanted to do it their way. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't compromise and the relationship ended. Mm -hmm. And I would say, and I told them no about things that they wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Me and other coaches. Mm -hmm. And so I've had it where it hasn't gone well. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Should we talk about the coaches in this simulation? So in this simulation, the coaches said We're, no, right? They came out with Nathan's no. They did. Isn't they that did. funny? <laughs> yeah, they came out with Nathan's no. Imagine that. Huh, what a coincidence. Do you, do you think, have you ever taken on work that the organization should have owned themselves or that the organization asked you to do? Unfortunately, I have. Why do you say unfortunately? Well, um, I I don't have any data or anything to really substantiate this. I, I guess there's a, there are a few things out there. I just think if I'm there to coach, I should be there to coach, and it's their transformation. They need to own it. I'm going to support them and help them do it, but they can't rely on me as a coach to do – um, work. I mean, their work. Like what? Uh, Give me an example of their work. Can you help us identify all of our dependencies? Okay. Okay. Um, you know, if they, if so, that's, that's definite work. That's like, well, I don't, you know, I have no idea who your de- dependencies are. That's your, your scrum masters and mm-hmm. product owners should know those things. You want to hear a funny thing right about that? Yeah. I was told on a fairly recent engagement, I was a bad coach and a failure of a coach because I didn't do that very same thing. That exact thing. Yes. That exact thing I was asked to do. And I said, first of all, I can't, I can't do this. I don't know your product well enough. I don't, I'm, I'm here to help you with your agile transformation, which ultimately delivers your product. But I, I'm, I'm not even equipped. And they said, if you can't help us identify our dependencies, we don't think that you're helpful at all. Really? Yes. That very thing that you brought up fairly recently just bit me in the butt. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. That's... So I don't know if you made that up. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. No, that was real. Yeah. Yeah. For our listeners, that's actually a real experience that seeped its way into the simulation here. (laughs) It did. It did. It's not fabricated. That one's definitely not fabricated. But they, and they said, they actually said to me, we'll take it from here. Oh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what work have you done that people have asked you to do that if you could go back, you wouldn't do? Because you started out by answering, Dependencies. 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 Um there were times when I was acting as a scrum master mm-hmm. for Me teams. Me too. A lot um, of times though. I've done that because I've done a lot of work for smaller companies and they can't always afford a coach and a scrum master. And so a lot of times I've started out with that role of coach slash scrum master. Yeah. Um, I've been slotted into somewhat of a it's this funny um, facilitator, admin, um, project manager role. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. They want me to kind of facilitate these meetings they think are important, but they're not scrum or agile meetings. Mm-hmm. They expect me to keep track of other aspects of their work in these meetings and mm-hmm. what they've discussed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the PM aspect of just staying on top of people. Mm-hmm. And um, those are just, I've done those in the past and I wish I never had. I, uh, same. Yeah. Just same. Mm-hmm. The thing is, when I do them, I think when we do them, when we take on those responsibilities of the organization, this organization that's supposed to be responsible for their own transformation, they're supposed to be owning it. Um, all the knowledge that they want me to have about their work organization really should be which should be um, owned or or um, held by someone else that's going to be able to carry that information on after I leave the organization. It just it it doesn't. I never get the impression when I get those questions that that the organization is really serious about their own transformation. So here's how I put it. You know, sometimes I have to come up with little stories because I got I to gotta picture something in my head. I don't think I shared this story yet. I kind of picture being a coach. A lot like teaching someone to ride a bike. And I think we're, we're almost exactly the same age. So I don't know about you, but I had a banana seat with that little metal bar. Oh, on the heck yeah. Where you could grab that. And then, of course, those big old handlebars in the front. Mm-hmm. And so when my dad taught me to ride a bike, he made sure it was a safe environment. He made sure I had appropriate tools so the bike wasn't too big and it wasn't too small. And at first, he held on to both the handlebars and the back to make sure that I had balance. And so I could get a feel for what it was like to get my legs going. And, and so I didn't fall over, right? Didn't, didn't run into a parked car, didn't fall over, didn't cause all kinds of mayhem and chaos. And eventually, as I got a little stronger, he would let go of the front handlebars and just hang on to the back. And then when I got stronger still, he would let go of the back, but he would run behind me. And then he would let go of the back and he stayed back there. But if I fell or I got hurt, he'd come and pick me up and dust me off and get me back on that bike and say, let's keep, let's keep going. All the while making sure my environment was suitable for me to learn how to ride this bike. But ultimately, I had to ride the bike. He wasn't doing any of the pedaling or the braking. And he might have done some of the steering and balancing at first, but, but not for very long. And I kind of think that's what it's like as a coach. If the transformation is learning to ride the bike, we're creating the environment that's safe. We're making sure there's no oncoming traffic. We're not sending people across busy roads. And we do hold on a little more in the beginning but then we let go piece by piece as they build up their muscles because they're the ones who have to be able to ride the bike forward, not us. That is great. <laughs> Did I just that is that excellent. Should we, huh? should I just be game over? That, yeah, that's pretty much Peace it. Peace out, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Oh, that's, that's excellent. You got it. That's it. So when, when, when Dan says, aren't you here to assist us? That's kind of my answer to Dan is, well, let me, let's talk about what that assistance looks like. Let's talk about what that support looks like. Let's, let's paint a little picture in our brains of it. Yeah. 
that is great. I'm going to use that. Don't you dare. You better pay me. I will. I'll pay you. Right. In cake. Cake. And I'll pay you in vegetables. Vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Send me your fake vegan meat. <laughs> oh, it's great. All of it's great. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know what we did the other day? Resisted the tangent. Sorry, everybody. Purple carrot. Yeah, I do purple carrot. Yeah, we did. We got the first first three of them this week. That uh-huh. was good. Yeah. You know, when we get done with this, we'll compare which what you ate and what I ate because I don't okay. think folks want to hear about that. <laughs> we got to talk purple carrot for a sec here at the end. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's that's the way I look at. I don't know if that's where you thought this conversation was going to go today, or that this is what you thought I'd bring to the table. But that for me is how I think at its basic form about being a coach. That's it. I think, yeah, I think that's great. I mean, um, I think about it the same way. Um, so I won't give you um, my analogies and metaphors because you did such a great job. No, no, no. Do you have an analogy? I mean, mine is really simple. I okay. mean, you never see a basketball coach out there on the actual court playing with the players. They're usually, the coaches are usually, say this respectfully, past their prime. They've usually played. Wait a minute, did you just call me old? No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) This has gone awry, and there's only two of us. We can't even blame anyone else. We're the same age. I (laughs) I know, huh? Um, But, you know, the coaches are past their prime as far as being an athlete, but they've usually played one or more positions on the the court as Uh a professional. and their job is to do nothing but design the plays and empower each player to go out there, play their role, and do their best. That is what they do. They're, they are actually – they are not in the actual physical game. They're in the strategic right. game. Right. Um, you know, Greg Popovich is probably one of the greatest coaches the NBA has ever seen, um, but – there's no way he could go out there and play against any of the players today. His, right. his, his job is to give instruction, direction, guidance, guidance, leadership, empowerment, motivation, strategy, all that stuff. And his job is to know those players well enough to know what they each need. There you go. To be their best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we have slayed <laughs> this simulation tonight, I think. I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, you call me old, but I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Past my prime. We'll see who shows up next week. To well, <laughs> maybe we should all go back to um, designing, developing, QA. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> all right. This is probably a good stopping place then, huh? I think uh, you got anything else you think we should cover? Anything else come to mind about this? Um, well, let's take a look here. You think there are any, um, based on the way Tonya, um, behave, you think there's any culture or systemic challenges within the organization? Oh, heck yes. Yeah. Heck yes. For one thing, they're 90 days in. So <clears throat> any stress behaviors are going to kick up historical behavior. Any stressors or stress triggers, I'm sorry, 
are going to kick up historical behaviors, both by her and her team. I think some of the challenges are misinterpreting a successful 90 days for meaning we got this. Right. That, that, that I see a lot. And I think, I think what I brought up a little bit ago where maybe the thought is if I'm a leader, that means I, I, I feel pressure to come up with the ideas, to come up with the solutions, to come up with the right thing for us to be doing, as opposed to trusting that the system of the company, if we follow smart thinking, which I think Scrum is, we will get to where we need to be by by those pillars of transparency, inspection, adaption. They'll get us there if you trust in them. But it means trusting something outside of ourselves. And as humans, we barely trust ourselves, let alone things outside of ourselves. Right. But I think I think one of the biggest challenges they have in you you asked it in the question is, are they looking at their company as a system? Yeah. It's a great point. Coach, you are killing it tonight. Am I? Yeah, you are killing it. Huh. Man, I'd hire you if I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I might need you to, so I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> you may be getting a call on the side. <laughs> have to dip into my savings to hire you. Just. Yeah, I'm worth it, Nathan. Worth it. <laughs> That's I mean, a good I'm, point. I mean, you know, so uh, systemically, they, it seems like they started to change their system and they got everyone on board. And um, it's like, I think it's like you said, they, they just reverted back. They thought they had accomplished it or something. Maybe mm -hmm. they accomplished their transformation. Mm -hmm. And just revert it back to old ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, we all do it. That's what's comfortable. Right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transformation Simulation. We hope it has helped with your agile transformation and personal transformation. Thanks to the agile coaches on this episode. Our music is created by Gilpin Hill. You can find this episode and all other episodes of Transformation Simulation anywhere podcasts are available. You can also visit our website, transformationsimulation.com, to listen to every episode of this podcast and read every simulation. We place everything online. You can see it all there. Uh, any comments or questions, connect with us at transformationsimulation.com.